what's up guys it's Raf. uh before we dive into today's episode here's a quick word from two great podcasts you guys should all check out uh hope you enjoy i'm miles from the disc dump podcast do you have a mountain of dvds games or music that you just can't decide what to do with i do too and the disc dump podcast is all about deciding what you want to keep and what you want to dump do you like trying terrible drinks? Pumpkin pie soda. <laughs> and at the bottom, it says, y'all get your fixins. How about exploring weird ads for websites like wish.com? Okay, so it's one of those silicone uh, torsos. And you get it right on the head of the uh-huh, silicone torso. That has an advantage on this one. <laughs> want deep intellectual discussions about the finer points of music, cinema, or game design? I have no idea where I am right now, so... Then check out the Disc Dump Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And that's Disc with a C, by the way. Hi, this is Brandon. And I'm Andrew. We're from Namely 90s, a podcast mm-hmm. that takes you back to a time before smartphones. Basically, we're two childhood friends trying to relive the 90s. We were kids growing up in the 90s, so we don't remember yeah. a lot. Well, we remember toys and movies and video games, but not like the adult stuff, you know. But we have yeah. the perspective on it because we had to deal with it throughout the 2000s. Yeah, now that we're older, we get to look back on it and either be like, why did I spend $30 on that Nerf blaster? And why did we invade Iraq? <laughs> this has gone wrong. This has yeah, gone very terribly, very wrong. as it does our podcast most times. But uh, we got to hang out with Mike and Raph over yes. uh, the holidays on our 12 Days of Christmas specials. And you can find an episode with them in our backlog. Find us through namey90s.com slash listen and uh, look for episode seven of the 12 Days of Christmas specials where we t- talked with them and uh, about Mr. Hanky, the Christmas poo. Yeah, really great guys. Really fun episode. Uh, hard to keep that one clean. I mean, it's South Park. We really enjoy it. These guys are the real deal. So so uh, keep listening to them and maybe come check us out over at Namely 90s on your favorite podcast app or over on YouTube. We'll be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hi. Bye-bye. Bye. Welcome back to Straight to DVD. Boogie, oogie, oogie, woogie, woogie. Till you just can't boogie, oogie, oogie no more. Hell yeah, dog. Dude, are we living in a simulation, Raph? I don't know. It was all a dream. Because there's so much crazy shit going on. It really feels like we're living in a simulation. It kind of feels like 2020 was just one big glitch in the Matrix. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> What are we talking about today? (laughs) We're talking about The Matrix. Yes, we are. It wasn't obvious. We're talking about the 1999 Wachowski's film, The Matrix. Classic. Classic tricks. Absolute Um, classic. The film that arguably made Keanu Reeves the man he is today. The action star he is today. Dude, Point Break did that. What did it though? I love Point Break. Patrick Swayze? Yeah, dude. Yeah. I didn't realize that that was Patrick Swayze yeah, until Patrick. the end of the movie. Yeah. Oh, what happened at the end that made you realize it was Patrick The, the credits. <laughs> <laughs> His name there, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I guess, uh, well, maybe Bill and Ted, whatever. Yeah. Either way. Yeah, whatever. We're, we're going to talk about this one. Yes. Today. Yes. Right now. The Matrix. With you. Mm-hmm. And, and me. You, and you. Yeah. And you listening yes. out there. Yes. And you, yeah. You have no input. You have to listen. Yeah. <laughs> but you can yell and... Yeah, you can scream while listening to this. While listening to this into your headphones. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's not going to do anything, but you, but, you, know, yeah. you might feel better. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. shall we jump sure. in? How, sure. I don't even know where, where we start with this one. Do we just, you want to go general thoughts? Do you want to dive into the plot? Yeah, you want to give a synopsis? You want to give us a let's, background let's on the do, movie? Uh, let's do all of that. Let's do general thoughts, general plot, um, and then yeah. some background on the film, and then we'll dive deep about uh, what we like or don't like about it. Great. Um, Fantastic. Yeah, so general thoughts. I think that this is probably one of the greatest films that ended the 20th century. Yeah. Um, I think this film was extremely ahead of its time, and as a result of its success and what they were able to achieve with it, what we've gotten out of Hollywood since then, much of which has been derivative of what the Wachowskis were able to achieve um, cinematically, action-wise, script-wise. Culturally. Culturally, uh, just effect, 
wise and yeah. just generally how we build stories and think about stories and yeah. and what film can be representative of and what it cannot be. Um, so I think it's immensely successful in all those areas and more, um, regardless of my own personal opinions on the film and what I like about it. So, yeah. Nice. That's a good start. Thank you. I agree. I think it's, um, I guess the word I would use is monumental, mm. just in terms of like what it stands for and what it means in the whole, like just our, the entire history of movies and like how we understand movies. Um, it like really informs a lot of like how we read movies today. Uh, like you said, it's had like a lasting impact. I think it's agreed. One of the best movies of all time. Um, it, it's timeless, but it's also like oddly specific to when it was released, mm -hmm. which is really weird. Um, you got to remember, this movie came out right before Y2K. Yeah. Well, so this I was just going to do a, a, like a brief thing on 1999, which was, which is like arguably one of the best years in movies. And anyone who's listening out there, if you like movies and you like reading about movies, there's a, a book called Best Movie Year Ever by Brian Rafferty. And it's about the year 1999 in cinema and like all the great movies that came out. This, Fight Club, mm -hmm. uh, Magnolia, um, Eyes Wide Shut, just like so many amazing movies um, and what they meant for like the end of the century and what they meant like going forward and lasting. Um, and this movie is like one of the best, if not the best of that bunch in terms of like what it means for both that era and, and everything that's come after. So, yeah. What an incredible Pretty... moment for, for film too, where you've had film for, at that point, almost what, 70 years, and then you're reaching a new millennia. Mm -hmm. And like, what does that mean regarding the, the craft and like, where has it come from? How did film used to be shot? Mm -hmm. How did things used to be portrayed on film? How, how did that evolve over time? And then crafting a film that you know is going to end a millennia mm -hmm. and jumpstart a new one, which in a lot of ways it did. And it's interesting that it came out during the year where people were like worried about Y2K and what would yeah. happen with the clocks and everything. And that it's a film so much about um, human dependency on machines mm -hmm. and how that ultimately leads to our own demise in yeah. some capacity. Um, I guess we should talk about the, the plot of the film for anyone who hasn't seen it, which I would be surprised yeah. at this point, anyone who's listening who hasn't seen The Matrix. but um, Or just anyone who hasn't seen The Matrix. Yeah, right. Listen. Right. Yeah. Um, it has probably one of the simplest and most terrifying ideas mm -hmm. regarding what it means to be a, a human being and mm -hmm. exist and have free will. Um, and that is that we create something that ultimately drives us nearly extinct, and that thing requires energy the same way we required energy, and it eventually ends up using us the same way we used to use it. It, yeah. it turns us, as Morpheus says in a lovely um, expository scene, mm -hmm. it makes human beings into batteries. Mm -hmm. That is the whole plot point yeah of the film where we're living in a in a simulation mm -hmm. everything that we know to be real and true um is not it's just it's all within the simulation that these computers have created for us and that is a fucking terrifying thing to think about mm -hmm. and it makes for one kick-ass movie it does. Well, what, I mean, what's so... So I think this is the mark of a good film in general. When you can watch it 20 years later, mm -hmm. 21 years later, whatever, and still pick up on things that yeah. you didn't realize the first however many times I've watched this, however many times you've watched this, and realize that a lot of the ideas they're dealing with are still relevant. Yeah, still like hella right relevant. Now. Hellevent. Hellevent. Hellevent, dog. I think I said to you, this is something, I, I, I think I leaned over and said this to you when we, we re-watched it recently, was that I had never realized quite simply what like their intention with making the bad guys, the machines, mm -hmm. the visualization of them in the simulation, in the Matrix, as suits. Yeah. As agents, as guys yeah. in suits. And they're the bad guys. Yeah. And the movie is just... Um, for lack of a less cliche word, allegory yeah. for 
waking up to the system, mm-hmm. to the government. Yeah. And that it's clearly like an angsty sort of wake the fuck up film. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that's like a weird thing about just like the year 1999 itself is that like the year just feels like angst. Mm-hmm. Whether it's angst, uh, like in Fight Club, where it's angst against um, feeling like aimless and hopeless in terms of our, in terms of like a generation's purpose in the world and in history. Um, if it's something like, uh, like office space where it's, we are slaves to these machines and, um, yeah, the machines that we use all the time, or if it's just like dislike of the system and they use a song at the end by the band rage against the machine, (laughs) um, just like this angst towards authority and what it stands for. And the literal title of the song is... The, the literal title... The, I didn't think we were going to get to it this early. Yeah. But the literal title of the song is Wake Up by Rage Against the Machine, which could not be like more of just hitting the nail on the head in terms of like what this movie is about. We all need to wake up and rage against the machine that is, by our own creation, oppressing us. But like... Right we did it to ourselves. Like we are the system, we are the machine, but we need to wake up and realize that there's more to it and we need to dismantle it. Right. Right. And how do you go about doing that? Yeah. Um, it's funny. Uh, we both laughed about this when we were watching it very early on in the film. Keanu Reeves plays a character named Thomas Anderson who eventually calls himself Neo. Uh, and early on he is invited by some of his clients. He's a, he's a software engineer by day and he writes illegal software at night mm-hmm. and he sells that software to, uh, I guess criminals. Yeah. Like we underground we peeps. Right. And one of his clients is trying to get him to like relax and come out and party with them. And, it, mm-hmm. and he's like, sounds like you need to unplug man. Yeah. And we were like, Oh, you oh, witch clever. Um, but this is something you realize uh, initially is that when they're in the Matrix, which is mm. the simulation, everything is kind of brandless. Like everything is yeah. very general. Mm-hmm. Like you don't know, there's like the city doesn't have a name. You don't really yeah. see uh, street signs Mm-mm. or anything. Geographically, it's all very strange. Yeah. Um, and you realize that it's because in the simulation, like everything is constantly like contorted and shifted purely mm-hmm. to just appease human perception. Yeah. And to what a human, like what is their day to day? Like, what do they do? They go yeah. to the office, they go home, they eat, that's it. Just like, Oh, build a mega city. That's mm-hmm. all the people need. Like, yeah. That's what the software requires. Yeah. Um, that's a good point. Michael. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, so we've gone over plot yes. and general thoughts. Mm-hmm. I guess we can dive into this movie yes yes some shit that you like some shit that you maybe don't like mm-hmm. um yeah you want to you want to you want to go for sure, it sure sure so i think that something we noticed as well is that the first mm, half let's say mm-hmm. is almost exclusively exposition yeah there it's it's just caked on there and i mean there there has to be Right. Which, like, as people who watch movies, right, that's, like, usually something that you hate when there's just a scene that's that sole purpose is to explain to the audience what's going on. But for some reason, the way that it's done in this movie, and I think because it's so much of the movie, there's, like, a natural flow to it, and it doesn't feel forced. Um, it's, it's like a... I mean, it's not even a plot tool. It, like, is the plot. It's, like, what moves everything forward. Um, And yet for... I mean, we get, like, a little bit of an intro, and there's maybe, like, 10, 15 minutes, and then for, like, an hour, it's just straight exposition. Mm -hmm. And then third, final act. Just everything batshit crazy. The big set pieces, yeah. Um, But, yeah, all the exposition leads to that, and it doesn't feel forced or ham-fisted. It's just, like a perfect way to move things forward. Right. Well, it's it's funny to imagine going into this movie knowing nothing about it. Yeah. And, like, what an experience that must be like. Um, and when I was thinking about that, it made it's, it got me thinking about Terminator 2. Mm-hmm. Because if you were to go into that movie, never having seen a trailer for it, you don't know that Arnold's the good guy. 
Yeah. If you the have only, no idea. If the only thing you're bringing is the knowledge from the first one. Right. That he's the bad guy. Then you think. Right. It's just another. Yeah. yeah. It's just another bad guy. Um, and that's why the scene where he saves John and helps mm-hmm. him is like, oh, wow, this is a scene. That's yes. That scene. Um, and so if you were to go into the Matrix having no idea what it was about and you see these intro scenes, they're so fucking confusing. Like, what yeah. is happening? How is this happening? Who are these guys in suits? How did this woman pick up a phone and not die? Yeah. Like, who, who's the informant? Who are all these mythical people that he's trying to find? And then the big scene happens where Morpheus, played by by Larry the Fish, mm-hmm. um, who I believe you had near a near a near run in <laughs> with when you were younger, is that yeah? Do I have to tell the story again? You don't. Unless have you haven't to, heard the, yeah. the the other episode where I yeah. described seeing uh, Lawrence Fishburne IRL. His ex wife and kids lived down the street from me where I grew up, mm. and one day I was sitting at home after school doing my homework, and one of my buddies knocks on the door and he's like, "Yo, Morpheus is outside." So I drop everything I'm doing. I, I, I run down the stairs. Like we run outside. We, we, we run down the street. And there's Larry Fishburne. Just, uh, he, he rode over on a motorcycle. And like he had his helmet off. And he was just standing there like all cool and shit. And we were just peeking from like behind the bushes at him. Didn't go up and say anything because we were creepy 12-year-olds. Did he see you? I, I don't know if he saw us. Hmm. Um, but yeah, that was, that was the one time I almost sort of kind of... Didn't meet Larry Fishburne. Dude, Morpheus, the man himself. Yeah, man. Um, he is so cool in this movie. Oh, He's just the coolest motherfucker. Yeah. Um, he's just the most intelligent, most knowledgeable, wisest guy. The best dialogue mm-hmm. in the film. Everything he says is a zinger. Yeah. Um, and he delivers all the exposition to Keanu Reeves, to Neo, um, as he teaches him the the ways of the real world mm-hmm. and what the hell the Matrix is. For anyone who hasn't seen the film or for anyone who you know needs to be reminded or brought up to speed, uh, Keanu Reeves gets unplugged from the Matrix simulation via Morpheus because Morpheus believes that he is someone special who is meant to aid in the human resistance against the machines. So he frees Neo from the Matrix mm-hmm. and like we were saying, the first half, the first two-thirds of the film, are him sort of training Neo to prepare for his dealings in the Matrix. That is that is essentially what's happening. And it's so you get these cool scenes that just set up the lore and the world of the film, both in the real world and in the simulation. And you get very subtle, like, little sidelines being like, you think that's air you're breathing now? Yeah. And it's just cool little things that make you think about like, oh, if this were reality, like what would that mean to yeah. actually be in a simulation and think it were real when it's not? Yeah, I mean, the way that he explains it, I guess part of the reason why it works so well is because he's explaining all of this stuff to Neo for the first time um, and not just explaining it to the audience. So it doesn't feel like he's talking to you and just explaining everything to a watcher to understand it like he is also explaining this to neo in a and like because like keanu reeves is kind of the perfect casting for this because of his like previous roles where he's just kind of like a like an oaf and like an like a total airhead pothead Mm -hmm. dude who doesn't really know what's going on and all of his his reaction everything is just whoa (laughs) um it kind of helps sell everything that morpheus is explaining um as not being just like useless exposition that's that's being thrown out there. Um, it, 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 it really, it, yeah, I guess it just like hammers home the point that he's speaking to Neo as much as he's speaking to the audience. Right. And it, you know, and it's like you said, it's not, it doesn't feel like you're being beaten over the head because it feels yeah. like he's just going through, uh, the motions of training another mm-hmm. one of his, his crewmates. And, and you really, you just get amazing scenes of him just speaking to Keanu Reeves that tell you all you need to know about what these people's pasts are like and what they come from and the rules of their world and what they deal with. Like, I love, I so, so love the scene where he's talking to Neo about what an agent is and why Mm -hmm. they should be fearful of him. Mm -hmm. And he says, I won't lie to you, Neo. Every man or woman that has stood their ground, everyone who has fought an agent has died. And it's just like the very simple uh, structure of that line and how it's written and how it's delivered 
is just so perfect because it lets yeah. you know that these motherfuckers are to be feared. Yeah, it, it adds like it, it adds a level of stakes to the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, even before there's like an actual showdown, it's not like he waits until Neo wants to fight one and he says, "Oh, hey, by the way, no one's ever beaten them." It's like it's it's delivered early enough in the movie where it's sitting in the back of your head, but it's not like at the forefront of your mind. Um, so you're not like thinking about it constantly. But so we're talking a lot about the script, but this is like one of those rare movies where seemingly everything is working um, in a way to like get to this final direction or this final point of like what the movie is going to be between the script, the um, obviously the dialogue, the casting, the uh, the set design, the way that it's shot mm-hmm. and like the, the color correction that's used and like when they're in the simulation, everything has this like weird green tint to mm-hmm. it and everyone is dressed in black. So like the costume design is also amazing. And then the green and black, like, you know, when you're doing computer coding, um, all the, you know, the, the screen, it's a black screen and everything that you're typing is in green. Hey, did, hey, hey, did, did you see that? That it's because they're in a oh, computer. They're in a computer. They're in a computer system. So that's why it all look. That's why it all looks like that. Uh, and then when they're in the real world, it's like this weird. It's like this somber gray hue. But like every single piece of this movie is perfect. It's like perfectly picked out to uh, to help the audience like understand what this movie is and what it's about. Um, and it's just like a super rare thing that you don't see a lot where, I mean, this movie has so many like single iconic shots. Um, this movie has like more iconic shots per capita than any other movie. The, bullet time, the bullet time sequence. Yeah, what other film I, had ever done that? It, dude, it, it, I mean, and it starts with that. Like right. the first, you sit, you're, you're like, try to think of yourself. Uh, it's 1999 and you go see this movie for the first time. You have no idea what's going on. And the very first scene, this woman jumps into the air to do this like fucking crazy karate kick mm-hmm. and then she freezes and the camera fucking pans around her and then she does the kick. Right. Like no one had ever seen that before. That shit's crazy. And they yeah. throw it at you. They throw, <laughs> they throw it at you in the first in the first like two minutes of yeah. the movie. Yeah. It it's 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 bonkers. Um No, yeah. but you're 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 absolutely right that and you know just speaking something simply about the color correction, it's like it's so clear to anyone who understands film and understand the work that goes into every aspect of making up the, the the minute things that make the film as a whole, so much thought in this particular case is put into every detail to support the greater image that the Wachowskis had when making this thing. It's like every single thing, the costumes, the lighting, the color, the way it's shot, the acting, the script, every single thing is built towards this one specific vision. It's like what we were talking about with Mad Max. It's like you get a film of this quality when you have people who have a vision and they stick to that no matter what. And there's no meddling whatsoever in any capacity. And I mean, to even like go off of that, I think that this movie um, kind of also in a way represents the end of that kind of era in Hollywood where you can take a gamble with an auteur who's just going to like, Hey, here's a pile of money. We don't care what you do or how you're making it. Just go make a fucking movie and make the movie that you want to make and make something original and fresh and fun. And it works. And like that works way more than like studio, the studio like sticking mm-hmm. their hand in mm-hmm. to, you know, make whatever they think is going to make the most money. And they get in the way of the director and they get in the way of the writers and, and the actors and shit. And you end up making a shit movie. And, like, we don't really get movies like The Matrix anymore. Like, no, we this don't. is, like, one of the last times we got a fresh, original, you know, off-the-walls, bonkers movie um, that fucking, like, works and kicks ass. <laughs> it does and, kick ass. And it really does. And it's, like, it's super sad that we aren't making these kinds of movies anymore. Like, there aren't people out there who are allowed to, to make their own version of The Matrix. So, Not in, like, you know, making this movie, but making their own shit. Right. Right. So, like, why does this movie kick ass? Because it's not just the action, right? The action is dope, and we'll talk no. about that in a moment. Yeah. But it's just, like, it's it has style. Yeah. Like, the movie has style, and it knows that it does. Mm-hmm. 
it's just like every scene is just just dripping with it. It's just yeah. like like oh, this scene is like the they directed the fuck <laughs> out of this scene. Like you're watching the scene, you're like, oh my god! It's like yeah. I can feel you behind the camera directing this fucking thing. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah, it's like god damn. So you you feel it through the screen. It's incredible. Um, and you know they even without because like we said, there's a lot of exposition, but without going into every minute detail, it's just like there's some things that are assumed and that make sense. Like, there's nothing in the movie that don't necessarily make sense. Like, you were talking about, we were talking about this um, recently about Chris Nolan and how, and I agree with you on this, I don't think he respects the intelligence of his audience very much. No. Where it's like you get something like The Matrix and it's like, oh, the Wachowskis understand that the yeah. people watching this are going to know get, what's yeah. happening. So um, just kind of going off of that and like the exposition of the movie, which is like driving the plot forward. I think that another reason why this movie works is um, because it works on so many different levels in terms of like we talked about how it's an allegory for, you know, fighting against the system. Mm -hmm. It's also an allegory for, um, you know, the our, our reliance on machines. It's also an allegory for the trans experience, which like. Right. I hadn't realized this until I watched it, like, I think a couple of months ago. But I was just, like, sitting there and it hit me. And I was like, oh, of course this movie is about, like, what it's like to be a, a trans person who's born into something that is, is not real to them. And they have to wake up to, like, discover the realest and, like, mm -hmm. fullest version of themselves. Mm -hmm. Like, how did I not get that? Um, it's, a, it's, it, it's a Jesus story. And it, it's like kind of a biblical movie, and it it's working on all these different levels at the same time. And like while Lawrence Fishburne is giving all the exposition, he's never telling you that the movie is about these other things. He's just giving you exposition for like, a, I guess, a surface level understanding of the movie. Mm -hmm. But the Wachowskis, like you said, are also respecting the viewer to pick up on all of these other like subtexts of the movie throughout that are all happening like at the same time on the same level. And, um, and it's just like, like that's fucking bonkers to mm -hmm. be able to make a movie that is an allegory like four times over and they're all working at the same time and they all have room to breathe and they all make sense. And it's not like clunky or anything. I think I thought that that, like, that was one of the, the more impressive parts of the movie. Oh, definitely. And it's all, it's all right there. Like it's not, they don't spell it out for you, but you can very clearly see it. Like, take for instance, Trinity says to Neo in the car, he's talking about they're passing by a noodle shop that he mm -hmm. used to eat at when he when he lived in the Matrix or whatever. And he says, really good noodles. And then he goes, I have these memories of a life that never happened. What does that mean? And Trinity says that the Matrix cannot tell you who you are. And all that means is that the system, you can't, rely on the system to dictate what kind of a person yeah. you are. It's like only you can. Yeah. You are the only person that has jurisdiction over who you are, essentially, and what you want to do and, and who you want to be. Um, and regarding the trans thing you were talking about, it's funny because you, you mentioned this and then I told you the, yeah. the, this interesting fact about the character. Switch. Her yeah. name is actually Switch. Switch. Yeah. Um, and she, in The Matrix... When they go in, mm -hmm. she's the only one who's wearing white. Right. Everyone else is wearing black. Right. And it took me a couple of watches to, like, every time I would rewatch it, I'd say, why is she the only one who's wearing white? Like, what is so special about this particular character that she gets to wear white while everyone else is wearing black? And then you pointed out that... That um, originally, and they, and they decided to change this for whatever reason, even though like, some of the echoes yeah. are still very clearly there... Originally in the script, Switch, not so, so subtle of a name, yeah. um, when they're in the real world before they jack in, is a man. Mm -hmm. And then when he jacks into the Matrix, his digital self-image mm -hmm. is a woman. Mm -hmm. He sees himself as a woman when he's in the Matrix. And that was, you know, I guess they decided the studio and... and the yeah. late 90s and 1999 maybe, wasn't maybe they weren't ready for it that overtly right but you think about that idea now how fucking awesome yeah. that would have been what but i think it, it's even kind of better that they that they don't do that 
where Switch is a man in the real world because you can still get it. Like it sure. was, it was, I, for me, it was like on the tip of my tongue. I'm sure there are people out there who are much smarter that like got it immediately. Um, but like, okay, the name's Switch. She's the only one wearing white. She's kind of androgynous. Like mm-hmm. maybe like this is what we should be looking for for the trans allegory. Like maybe this is a like a character who is specifically there for that idea of like of of the trans identity and you know identifying you know within the real world as a different way than you know how you're born. Um, and I mean, yeah, she's the only one wearing white. She's, right. Her name is Switch. It makes sense. It does. Yeah. Um, and and Tr- Trinity is androgynous to an extent as well. Yeah, and, and even so is Neo yeah, to a certain extent. Right. Like most of them even like mouse kind of is like most of them kind of have this sort of androgynous mm-hmm. feel to them. Um, where, yeah, they could, it could go either, it could go either way or, or neither way. Um, I don't know. Like we're not the most qualified to no, be speaking sure, on, of course not, but, on the know. experience of trans people, but like, um, it's like very clearly put in front of us. So what's shown, yeah. I, you know, I think is, is, it's easy to, to recognize it in, yeah. in the film and, and reflect on it to whatever extent we can. But it's, you know, it's funny because in the scene where Neo meets Trinity in the BDSM underground club where they're dancing to Dragula by, by Rob, Rob Zombie. Zombie. Which is a fucking banger. <laughs> it is kind of a banger, low key. I love that. Yeah, so. Dragula's, actually after we watched it, I went home and yeah. I played it. I was like, all right, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah I get um, He says, Trinity, Jesus. She goes, what? And he's like, I just, I thought you were a guy. Yeah. And she goes, most guys do. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh yeah, yeah. Um, but so uh, another th- allegory that like really stuck out to me is this movie as a kind of as a biblical sort of Jesus story, mm-hmm. um, which I think mm-hmm. is super obvious to most. But we'll go into it a little bit. Sure, Neo as. The one mm-hmm. um, is Jesus. Morpheus, obviously, throughout the entire movie, is a like mentor, father figure to right. Neo. He's right. um, he, he's our god figure, and and then you have Trinity, who wraps up the Holy Trinity uh, as the Holy Ghost. Uh, and at the end, it's her love. It's the love of the Holy Ghost mm. that's able to resurrect Jesus after he dies mm. in the Matrix. Um, and obvious, and then you know, like I just said. Neo dies. Right. And then he comes back to life. Right. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the story of Jesus, but he also dies. Yes. And then he also comes back to right. life. Right. Um, but, ne- but Neo didn't go into a cave for three days, Rev. Oh, fuck. All right. My bad. Um, <laughs> let me reevaluate. Yeah. Whoops. Uh, but yeah, I mean... So the Wachowskis took some liberty. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to make it Jesus, but with a twist. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so actually, let's talk about that scene where he where he dies, because that's that's interesting. In regards to what is he capable of in the Matrix, mm-hmm. um, because there's something interesting the Oracle says mm-hmm. where he meets her and and she never outright says you're not the one. Yeah, it's very. I was paying very close attention to that scene because the whole point is that. He doubts himself initially. Mm-hmm. And she says, you already know what I'm going to say. And the truth is, he doesn't. Mm-hmm. He thinks she's going to say what fuels his doubt, which is that he's not the one. But she yeah. never says that. She never says he's not the one. And she says, I don't know, maybe you're waiting for your next life. Dude, I just pulled up my notes. Mm-hmm. And that's, that, one of, that's one of the quotes I have. Yeah. That she says, maybe in your next life. Right. And it, it, you know, it's so, it ties so well into the Latin that she points above her door, which says, know thyself. Dog, that's that the other. Next- <laughs> 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 All right, go ahead. You took the, no, 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 you, you're, you're, you're on a roll. You're oh, on a roll. yeah, no, all I was going to say is that, like, the whole point of her is that, like Morpheus says, is she's not really an oracle. She's a guide. Yeah. It's like, she'll show you the door. But you have to be the one to walk. Well, actually, it. Morpheus says, I'm going to show you the door. You have to walk through it. That, that's true. I was, I, was, I was hoping you wouldn't pick up on that. But <laughs> I was like, oh, this would be a nice bow you're, on this point I'm making. You're a hack. I'm a fucking hack. I'm making shit up. It's yeah. like, oh, well. um, 
where you uh, fucking J.J. Abrams make yes, Rise abso- of Skywalker. Yes, absolutely. I've, we're tying up, tying up loose ends however we can, as quick as we can. Yeah. It's like, pay attention to my next point. It yeah. sounded like it made sense. Um, yeah, but it's like the whole, you know, her whole point with him is that you have to be ready. Like, you are the only one who will know. Um, and it's just, you know, it's it's this great little sequence where he leaves... And, you know, and Morpheus knows that whatever was said to him is probably not what he wanted or was expecting to hear. And he's mm-hmm. like, no, it was for, for you. you. Yeah. And for you alone. But you, you took some notes. So I want to hear, hear what you have to say about that. Well, I've gone through most of my notes, um, maybe in your next life, mm-hmm. and, and know thyself. Um, know thyself, which is, to me, another... Um, just another hit in, in the trans allegory. Like mm. you're the only one who can, who can know yourself maybe in your next life. That's obviously a Jesus thing, but I just thought that the, that the entire Oracle scene was like super, I thought it was really interesting. I think it's one of the best scenes of the movie. Like obviously the dialogue is really fucking tight and just mm. juicy and like dripping off the screen. <laughs> but, um, but I also thought it was like really interesting that the Oracle is this black woman and, um, when, when Neo's in the waiting room with all the kids, one, it kind of felt like he was like that 20 year old who still goes to see their pediatrician. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then when he gets called in, you know, someone's like the Oracle will see you now. And he, usually you would expect that to be like, they're sitting at a desk or like in this like old office room or, or something. And she's just in a kitchen right. and she's like this like older black, older wise black woman, just like. Just not manning the kitchen, but she's she's in the kitchen. She's making cookies. She's making cookies and shit. And I still don't know what to make of it, but I just think that it's like... I thought it was such an interesting choice to have that scene play out there as opposed to some, like, dark room behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have any thoughts on it or if you can tell me, like, what I'm missing, but I just thought that was really juicy. Well, I, you know, I figured that... And this is sort of... They... they expand on it to whatever capacity they can in the two sequels which are not nearly as good as this one is Mm -hmm. but she the oracle she is a program right and as morpheus says she's she's been with us she's a very old program she's been with us since the beginning um and we don't know why she's helping them until sort of the latter movie that's explored a little bit why she decides to help them but she is essentially, in regards to this movie, just a program that is meant to guide and comfort mm-hmm. human beings who go to see her. And, you know, what is more comforting than a motherly figure in a kitchen baking cookies? Yeah, like, right, that's where, I guess, like, that's where you where you go for advice right. with your mom. Like, right. Or your know, grandmother. Or your, even, grandmother. your grandmother, yeah. You're, yeah. yeah, that's where a lot of us, like, learn life lessons from our, from our mothers or grandmothers. We just go into the kitchen to see them. And they end up giving us this like profound life lesson. And you walk out of the kitchen like, damn, I just wanted a glass of milk. <laughs> I didn't realize I was going to like question my entire existence after that. Right. Um, but the, I mean, I guess that's not the only interesting setting of the movie. Um, there are some other like key choices in terms of like where people are um, and where shit happens. Like, um, I guess we can say Neo's office where he first encounters Morpheus and mm-hmm. is first starting to break free, but he's still a little too in too deep to want to like take that next, that next step. Um, he's like in a way like still kind of reluctant and he's still a slave to the system right. and the machines. And he just wants to like go to work and do his, you know, his, his duties there and then go home and, and code and hack shit. Who am I? I'm nobody. I didn't do anything. I'm going to die. <laughs> um, let's talk about a character who we haven't mm-hmm. chatted about yet. Mm-hmm. The amazing Hugo Weaving mm-hmm. as Agent Smith. Yes. Fucking terrifying. So menace- So perfectly menacing. Um, and just mm-hmm. like meticulous in all of his actions. And like... And thoughtful and smart in a way that's just fucking terrifying. He Hugo Weaving will always be Elrond from Lord of the Rings to a lesser degree, but he will Not always be no. He will <laughs> fuck that. He will always be Agent Fucking Smith V from the Matrix. Oh, he's great as V, but you don't v. see his face. No, but, but he is great. He is great in V for Vendetta. Um, 
he will always be associated as Agent Smith. He's the fucking, um, he's an amazing villain in this movie. And he's also an amazing villain in, in the second two. He remains one of the better parts of the, of the trilogy. Um, I love, and it's, it's, a, it's kind of a subtle performance from him. He, the, the, the rhetoric with which he speaks, and this is also due to the, the Wachowski's writing, because yeah. you're writing for a machine. Yeah. It's a machine. Um, but it's a machine who's frustrated experiencing their existence as a human being. Yeah. Because he talks about that. He's like, I need to get out. Like, I hate this existence trapped mm -hmm. in this, like, meat sack. Yeah. Which is how, you know, you, th you think of a machine mind being trapped in a human body. It's like it's a prison for him just as much as it is for any of the other billions of people trapped mm -hmm. in, in the yeah. Matrix. Um, which, you know, and I thought that was, that's just such a lovely moment where it's like, oh, they're, what we want is similar. Yeah. You know, it's like man and machine. It's like, you know, we're two sides of the same coin in regards to how this film is sort of pitching it to us. Is that in the scene towards the end of the movie when he's talking to Morpheus about how human beings are a virus to the yes. world? That speech is... Sick. It, it's it's incredible. Yeah. It's so good. Um, and that I mean, it, it's not something that they like harp on a lot in the movie, but just that one line of talking about how humans are are the virus, um, and he he goes into you know the first the first simulation that the that the machines made it was this like sort of like perfect utopia uh, of what they thought that like the perfect existence for humans would be and humans all realized that they were in a simulation because our existence, so much of it is informed by misery and suffering, <laughs> which is like a really dark view that the Wachowskis apparently yeah. have on, on life. Yeah. Uh, that like, we don't know how to operate outside of misery. Like right. we the can't operate in, in ultimate unlimited, like, uninterrupted happiness their their perception of human nature is that if life is perfect we know that something's wrong yeah. and that it can't be real <laughs> yeah like for somehow a perfect life is one that is not worth live, living right like there needs to be some pain and suffering right in order for it to to feel real right um which i mean i i get like i, I don't know i mean I, I wouldn't say this is necessarily how i feel but i guess some people do feel that like the moments where they feel most alive is when they are feeling pain. Well, I, yeah, I mean, you know, this this becomes a whole philosophical human nature discussion at that point. But, you know, that there is a, a, a school of thought where it's like you can't, you can only appreciate in one direction emotion if you've experienced the antithesis of that. It's like you can only be as happy as you've ever felt uh, sad, yeah, you know, so to speak. Yeah. And it's just, I'm, I'm not sure if it's so much um, the Wachowskis' outlook on human nature or, or how people think, or as opposed to what they think maybe a machine she would think, would think about yeah. human nature. Yeah. That, I mean, that's fair. Cause I mean, if you look at the history of human beings, a it's, lot of it mm. is, pretty miserable misery and violence and, yeah. and hatred and war yeah. and suffering yeah <laughs> so I, I i guess they have a point there yeah, yeah. certainly that's that, and yeah. we pretend to be civilized these days but as yeah. we've seen recently we're, we're there's, there's no it's all a fucking facade <laughs> <laughs> kind of hope this is just a this, this is a fucking simulation yeah yeah <laughs> um Wow, what a when we rewatched this, you you brought up the the point of like, where do you start with this movie? Like, what is the inception point? Oh, of yeah. this movie. Yeah. And before you go into that, I said Inception. If you rewatch Inception, <laughs> you realize how much of it is stolen from ideas that are first explored in the Matrix. Of course. Um, and it just makes that movie feel so much cheaper. Yeah. But like, what <laughs> like what would you say? Like, where do you start with this movie? Do you start with the Kung Fu scene? Like, were they watching a bunch of kung fu movies and they were like, we want that, but American right, right. and sci-fi. Right, that's a good point. Because there's two there's two key elements to this film. There's the plot where it's like, holy shit, we're going to build a movie around the idea that human beings are living in a simulation. Like, that's one idea. Mm -hmm. And then there's the whole, in addition to that, because we're in a simulation, 
we can do fucking amazing kung fu. Yeah. Like amazing, <laughs> amazing practical kung fu fight sequences. Um, and so it's like, what I, I'm curious maybe, and I'm sure there's probably a documentary or an interview mm-hmm. or people who worked on it or an insight video or something on YouTube regarding how this film was incepted. But I would guess that it was probably either something along the lines of, I want to make a film about life being a simulation, not mm-hmm. real. Or I want to make a kick-ass action movie and build something around yeah. that. Yeah. Kind of thing. Maybe some sort of combination of the of the two. Sure. I, I could very well yeah. see that. I would lean more towards the life as a simulation. Right. But we also want to make a kick-ass movie around right. it. Because this movie wouldn't be what it was or what it is if it was just like all of the like philosophical elements of it mm-hmm. if it was just like the well what if we're living in a simulation and well what does it mean to exist and what is like the arc of of human history like right. that by itself would would not be the same movie if they didn't add in oh yeah but also like there's going to be some kick-ass fight scenes <laughs> and bullet time and right Neo will dodge the bullets and everyone will try to recreate that in some way, shape, or form. Uh, right. After, after this. But the thing that's the thing that I think is so great about the kung fu and the fight sequences is it's not they're not there in a sense for gratuity. It's w- w- like Morpheus says, the Matrix is bound by rules. Mm-hmm. And it is a it's a dream world meant to mimic the real world, and it's like, well. What do the best fighters have in the real world? Oh, mm-hmm. jujitsu, yeah. kung fu, prowess with firearms, uh, all that, all those sorts of things. So it's it's only natural that in the simulation, at the highest degree of actually fighting hand to hand with someone, you would know the greatest fighting techniques that ever exist in the real world. Which is yeah. why the kung fu actually makes sense, and the yeah. jiu-jitsu makes sense, and the way they fight makes sense, and why the agents actually know those techniques as well. Yeah. Um, I do also think that it was a little gratuitous, but I loved it. I'm a big sucker for like those old school kung fu movies and shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, re- re-watching this and like seeing that stuff thrown in, and when they're loading in the different kung fu systems, there's one program for... Uh, for, for like drunken style kung fu. Oh yeah. And I don't know if you're familiar with the Jackie Chan movie, The Drunken Master, yeah, where he's yeah, it's just like <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, Mike is doing I'm doing a drunken he's stance. Doing, he's doing drunk kung fu drunken over stance. here for those who can't see. Kung fu. Which is everyone besides right. me. Correct. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's an audio medium. It is. Um <laughs> But yeah, I mean I mean, the, and the action is just, like, fucking incredible. It is. Um, I guess we have to touch on it, mm-hmm. but some of the action in this movie has been retroactively looked at as being problematic hmm. in terms of its potential to have inspired I see. certain um, terrible, like, inexplicable acts that have happened in U.S. history, you know, uh, when, when the third act is, I guess the third act is kind of starting, and the third act, it's amazing because it, it, it's the sequence of like four separate set pieces of action that are all individually amazing, but all like end up leading to the last bit of action. And the first one is when they're walking into the lobby and, you know, Neo's like, we're going to need guns, a lot of guns. And they go in and they've got the long black coats in the 90s, like rock music is playing and it's and it pumped up. And they go in and they just like, they mow down all of those security guards and stuff. And very unfortunately, like we've seen after this movie came out, I think it was, the, the first one happened like a, a month after this movie came out. But like young kids going into schools and other places dressed in a similar fashion and, like, all black with the long coats and yeah. stuff and lots of guns and, like, you know, do unspeakable things. Um, and I think it's kind of unfair to blame this movie for it because, like, sure. it's... those. I think it's hard to watch this movie and think of it as one that is, like, 
glorifying violence. But at the same time, I guess if you're like reading it and you're like, well, you know, the violence doesn't matter because this is all a simulation, right. then, you know, what's right. the point of it? But yeah. at this, on the same, same token, like if you die in the matrix, you die in real life. Like, right. Right. The there mind, can't, no, the mind right. can't live without Essentially, the Essentially there's no, there's yeah. no difference. And it is, it is For such a shame that, that folks, young kids who did this were as disturbed as they were this this movie didn't make them disturbed. Like they, there were other things, and they happened to latch on to the imagery of this film, and it inspired them to act. Unfortunately, in the manner with which they did, uh, which is a shame because the movie is is not about that. No, no, because like, yeah, it's not a movie about violence at no. all. It's really, it's. I mean, like we've said, you know, time and time again, like this movie is about like finding oneself and like discovering who you really are. And, and all, all that good stuff. It, like, I think it's ultimately a very positive message that this movie oh, is, is trying to like portray, but, um, there are some moments of like highly stylized violence. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sucks because yeah. as a movie or like, like just like as a movie watcher, um, to separate that from like what a real world is, it, it's pretty like cool, cool to watch. Like yeah, it, it all, it, lo- it all looks amazing. Like one of my favorite shots in the movie is when the camera is underneath the helicopter and all the rounds are like dropping out of the oh, machine yeah. gun. It's just like, it's such a spicy shot. Yeah, and, the, the movie is not afraid to be cool. Yeah, and to yeah. be like, you know what would be cool? A fucking shot of a chain gun's bullet yeah. landing on the camera. Yeah, like, yeah, that's a really good point. The movie is definitely not afraid of, of being cool. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, the shot with... Uh, the shot of Morpheus' glasses with with Neo and the reflection, oh, like yeah. and the pills, yeah, it, like that's fucking that's, that's just dope. That's dope. Well, the scene of them under the bridge with the rain, they're like, let's just make it fucking pouring, just pouring rain, pouring rain. It'll be at night, right. be under a bridge, and it's still gonna be kind of green, and it's gonna look fucking dope. And you're gonna want to make it your screensaver. It's just, well, I, it's like we were saying before. It's so clear when you see shots like that, you can feel the conceptual work of the creators coming through the screen. It's just like somebody thought of this and thought it would be cool and then made it happen and made a sequence of images for two hours happen that makes sense one after the other that are all equally as cool as the last. It's amazing. It really is. It really is incredible. Um, It's fantastic. Should we go back to the end of the movie? Sure. The last 45 minutes. Sure. Those four back to back to back to back. The action. The action. action of the film. Which yes. all of Morpheus's exposition and shit leading up to this, all the explanation for what's going on and what is and what isn't, leads to these moments. Mm-hmm. Do you want to go through them? Sure. So, we have, like you said, we have the scene where they get gunned up. Mm-hmm. They put on the black coats. They walk into the lobby of the building Morpheus is being held in. And a huge gunfight mm-hmm. takes place in the lobby of the building. Where they fight a bunch of SWAT. Yeah. SWAT folks. SWAT folk. Yeah. Neo and Trinity. And they kick major ass. Big time ass. Big time ass in the lobby of the building. So that's yeah. one. That's probably the famous fight scene from the film. Mm-hmm. I would say. Mm-hmm. That one. Um, then you have the, uh, the helicopter sequence. Where also great. Also fantastic. Where... They're fighting on the roof right before they get the helicopter. Uh, the first time Neo dodges the agent yeah. shooting at him. And he dodges some blows. He, he does. Dodges, dodge. he, he dodges does. some hand-to-hand blows. He does. Um, and Trinity saves him. Trinity shoots the agent in the head. Trinity's actually the first person to kill an agent. There it's you not go, even Neo. It's actually Trinity. There you go, Trinity. She shoots the agent in the head. Good for you. Good on you. Um... And then that segues to them in the chopper, rescuing Morpheus with the chain gun, like you mentioned. And then they they pull away, but Hugo weaving as Agent Smith shoots the gas tank of the chopper, so it leaks, so they have to land. And that's where Neo saves Trinity with the um, the grapple belt or whatever is attached to the chopper. Yeah. Uh, so that was two. And that's also that's the first time where the people in the real world realize that Neo is like he is, what he yeah he's legit he is legit because I think he he bends the bends the building that the chopper goes into before it explodes. I think that's oh, the moment. Oh, is that the implication of what yeah. happens there? Interesting. That okay. he did that. That he's starting to understand how to recode the matrix and shit. I see. Okay. Okay, that makes interesting. I, I never I never actually picked up on that, but that's what's happening. Okay, cool. Um, 
Watch so movies that. better. Yeah, I've got to pay more time. <laughs> um, and then it's the infamous duel. Oh. In the subway station. Fuck yeah. Um, this just amazing choreographed fight between Neo and Smith. This this beautiful moment where Neo chooses to stand his ground. He mm-hmm. chooses to fight. He chooses to believe in himself. And Morpheus even says, he's beginning to believe. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, oh my god, this yeah. is the coolest fucking yeah. thing I've ever seen. <laughs> so amazing so awesome um and so they have this amazing fight scene and neo barely just barely beats him Mm -hmm. but it doesn't fucking matter because off the train comes strolling a brand new agent smith who's just more new new body oh what the fuck yeah it's just like oh right it's you can't beat them like that yeah um, and it's this great moment where he's like fuck and he just like turns around and runs he's like okay well i beat you once i can't do it again he just like runs away um, so it's a, it's a chase scene of him trying yeah. to get out and then it ultimately leads to the final bit, which oh, I know yeah. is, I know is a segment you like. I'll let you talk about it. I've been rambling a lot. I'll let you, you don't want to, you don't want to talk about the no, 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 Talk about, talk about the hallway. Okay. Talk well, about that, the hallway. Cause, so then we get to, we get to the hallway. Um, and Neo has one final showdown with the agents. Um, I think he's actually going, he's, he's aiming to get a phone, uh, because he's a little discouraged after he finally beats Smith and Smith just reappears um so he's like all right fuck this i'm gonna get out of here so he's going to get the phone and he gets shot he gets shot in the chest by agent smith and eight times yeah maybe the full clip maybe like 12 yeah it it was bad it wasn't a good look and uh and he he gets shot and he and he starts to die he starts to die in the real world um and then Trinity has this moment where I don't. I think this is the time where she says to him, "The Oracle told me that I would fall in love with a man and he would die, or something along those lines." He would be the one. Or, yeah, he would be the one, and he would and he would die. Yeah. And like we said before, this is the time where Trinity, as the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, through that love of the Holy Ghost, she's able to resurrect mm. Jesus Christ, our <laughs> Lord and Savior, Savior Neo. Yeah, and it's so weird. Uh, Keanu Reeves stands up and he's got like, a crown of thorns yeah. around. <laughs> it's so. It's so really strange. bizarre, jarring. Yeah. Dude, Passion of the Neo. <laughs> passion of Somebody the... get Mel Gibson on the phone. <laughs> the Last Temptation of Anderson. <laughs> um, I was waiting for these jokes. We finally, yeah, dude, we finally got them. This, movie, this, yeah. this episode's been pretty serious. We it has. We well, we a, love the movie, so we haven't had a lot of room. We can't for make fun of it. <laughs> we haven't had a lot of room for jokes. Yeah. Um, so he comes, he comes back to life, and... At this moment, he's just like, fuck yeah, I'm the fucking one. <laughs> and he's ready to do do a showdown with the, with the agents. And I don't know if it's before he starts fighting them or after he starts fighting them, but there's a there's like a POV shot of him, and he sees everything mm-hmm. as the Matrix. He sees it all as code. Like, he fully understands that he is within this code, and he can change it to his will. And he flexes, mm-hmm. and the walls around him flex with him. Yeah. And it's just like... The most badass yeah, shit I've ever seen. Sick. It's like if you didn't have a boner at this point, yeah, you are fully yeah. torqued right yeah, now. Yeah, you get torqued. 100%. You are fully, you're fully, fully erect, just like ready to go. Um, and then there's that great shot of one of the agents going to fight him, and the agent is moving in like super, like super fast motion, and Neo is kind of slowed down, and he's very calm, and he's just like one hand batting yeah. off all of it's the like blows. Nothing. It's nothing to him, and he's doing. At first, he's doing it with one, with two hands, and then he puts one hand behind his back, right. and he's like, "Oh shit, I'm really fucking good at this. Like, yeah. I am totally the one." And and then that's the scene where he, what is he? He jumps into Agent Smith, and yes, he, he's it's essential. He's deleting him. Yeah, is what's happening in that scene. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, and and uh, and you know, it's the famous scene of him stopping the bullets. Oh stopping yeah, stopping yeah, the yeah. bullets, and it, you know, the, obviously ties back to Morpheus saying. Neo's like, what are you saying? I can dodge bullets? Yeah. And because he, he dodges bullets on the rooftop. He does, yes. And then he doesn't need to. He doesn't need to anymore. In the hallway. He can just stop him. Um, yeah, and that hallway, it's, I mean, I don't know how long the sequence is, but there are so many amazing m- moments in that scene alone that, like, would make this movie great. Oh, yeah. But that's already, that's after we've already gotten, that's after we've gotten all these other amazing singular moments in the movie and it's just like it's the best sort of climax oh absolutely because you've had you've had and these, i'm talking about a climax a shabaloom you know <laughs> you because you have these three imposing villainous figures who nobody's been able to stop 
And then all of a sudden, he just completely destroys one of them, and the other yeah. two, for the first time ever, are in fear they of him. And they just leave. <laughs> they just <laughs> they fuck just, off. No. Hell no. Uh, yeah, it's great. Great, great moment. Um, and then he picks up the phone, and he, he gets back to the real world, um, just in time for them to turn off the turn on the EMP to get rid of the sentinels that are attacking their ship in the real world. Um, and then the film ends with him on a payphone. Uh, and then Colin Farrell walks up and the movie payphone starts. <laughs> hey, can I use this? Yeah, right. And that's the greatest crossover in cinematic yeah. history. Um, and he's, I guess he's talking to the agents or the machines or whoever's listening, really. Yeah, I think it's whoever's listening. It yeah. might be people in the real world or it sure. might be people who are still, as still asleep. Right. And need right. to wake up. Wake up! Wake up! Wake up! Wow! 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 And the the film ends with him flying, yeah. <laughs> like Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and the concept of that being the finale, I think, is way sweeter than anything that had come after, because you see him fly around in the sequels, and it's just like this is so ridiculous. Yeah, I I've. I think I've seen bits of the sequels, like yeah. when I was younger. But after rewatching this one over and over again, and hearing what I've heard about how the next two aren't that great, I just have no interest in rewatching them. And my entire knowledge of the Matrix just being this movie, because I don't want the others to kind of like poo poo. No, my, and they will. On they will. Yeah, they will. It's um. Yeah. It's not worth it for me. It's it's the beautiful Shakespeare thing where brevity is the soul of wit. The more they try to expand on it and explain everything, the yeah. stupider everything uh, yeah. seems to be. Um, but that said, Raph, uh, I think based on what we've discussed and our enthusiasm regarding every aspect of this fucking thing mm -hmm. uh, that we do both you have like any, it. Do you have any, any, any clips of this movie? Do you have any um, nitpick? Like, is there the, anything you don't like? They don't know how much I, I love steak. Oh, we right. We didn't even talk about Joe Pantaleone, um, who which is Italian for pants. Yes, that's correct. Joe Pants, or just Joe, Joe Pants, Joey Pantsies. Uh, he is a human who or works on Morpheus' ship, who hates the real world, and he wants to be sent back into the fantasy world of the Matrix. And it's this, you know, this great sort of. I. It's this. Not only is it a, a bad a, 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 a antagonist thing, but. It makes you think about like, oh, is are you comfortable and content living in a dream world if the dream is good? Yeah, right. Is ignorance bliss? Right, exactly. Like, maybe and, and the maybe, heart, the heart plays. Yeah. Ignorance is bliss. <laughs> maybe he has a point. He no, I think he does. Yeah, because I think I would take the blue pill. If my life was good, <laughs> I would take the I would take the blue pill. If I was like a gajillionaire, <laughs> you like, would take the blue pill. And like it was just like. You wake up and believe whatever you want. I was like, oh, life's pretty good, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what do I want to fucking... Yeah. Wake up and be bald? Well, it goes back to the, like... the Trinity's like, the Matrix isn't real. And Cypher's like, I think the Matrix can be more real than this world. And it it, it also goes back to what Morpheus is saying. is like, what is real? Yeah. Like, what is real to you? Are you talking about, like, impulses? Like, what like what you can see, touch, feel, smell? This like, movie is just one big peyote trip. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Um, but like they're both real, but... Yeah, but, you know, it's like, what... Do you what want is truth enough? or... Right, right. All I'm offering you is the truth. Yeah, Nothing or more. do you want to know, like, what you know to be real, to be real, if right. that makes sense. Hashtag woke. <laughs> yeah. Dude, wake up. Wake Rage the against the machine. Wake dog. the fuck up. Wake up. Um... I don't necessarily have any gripes at all. With this movie, I think, I think if you wanted to nitpick it, you could be like, "Oh, why, uh, why don't the machines just kill the human when they wake up yeah. in the pods?" Where it's like, how about that's... that birth scene? Oh yeah, where which he... is like the most literal birth scene. Yeah, where he's shooting the out of the, the the womb. He's yeah, literally he, in a womb. He jumps out of the womb and he's naked and bald like right. a fucking baby. Right. Yeah. Right, like Jesus Christ. Uh, um, but Jesus Christ, I think baby. if you really want to nitpick, like you'd be like, well, why don't they just fucking kill them so they can't go back in the Matrix and fuck with them? And it's like, ah, then there wouldn't be a movie. Fuck you. It's like, you know, fucking, yeah. you know, fuck you. Um, or, 
like when he gets shot and killed mm -hmm. and then revives himself and is able to do all the amazing things he can at the hallway. It's like, this is not a problem with this movie, but it becomes a problem with the sequels because it's like, well, if he can just revive himself, then yeah. where, what is, what are the stakes? Right, I guess the point of that is like, uh, like when Morpheus is talking about dying in the Matrix, it's because your mind is perceiving oh, it as death. Right. So if his mind is in a place where he knows that that death in the Matrix isn't real, then he's like... Right, he just can't be killed. Yeah, it just doesn't matter he because be he, he understands that um, that he's not dead. Like, right. he's not understanding himself to be dead. He's, yes, he's so woke <laughs> <laughs> that literally he's just like, yeah, I can literally do whatever I want. I can fly around, I can move things. Whatever. Eat steaks. I can eat steaks. <laughs> yeah. I know a steak isn't real. But it's, it's so, ju juicy it's so and juicy. delicious. And when I put it in my mouth... <laughs> it feels real. <laughs> that steak did look good. It, it's a good-looking steak. Um, Raph, I have no qualms with this movie. I would give it a 5 out of 5. Yeah. I would recommend it to anyone. Anyone at all. Yeah. Anyone at all. If you're a fan of good storytelling, which I think most people are, <laughs> I, I, it's, it's definitely one to check out. Um, it, 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 it's up there as an, as an all timer. Yes. I, I would say, um, it's one, of the, a sh one of the greatest action films ever made. It's a shame that the sequels don't do this first one any justice, but lightning in a bottle, man. Yeah. You know, it is what it is. As um, they say. we'll see what happens with number four. Oh yeah. I, I'll let you watch it first and let sure. me know how it is. Sure. I think it's going to be so weird. Um, I think prior to it, you should watch two and three. No. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, Raph, would you recommend it to people, and what is your score of the film? Yeah. Um, I believe on the letterboxy, I gave it a four and a half, mm -hmm. because I was mostly upset about the Rage Against the Machine song oh, at the sure, end. Oh, sure. That docked it a half star for me, but <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's really, it's it, it's a five out of five. It's damn near perfect. It's, there, there's no fat on it. It, uh, yeah, it, it's, it, it's like a perfect piece of movie making. It's enjoyable. Dynamite. I like that this year we're talking about movies that we actually like instead yes. of ripping on movies that we hate. That's right. We love Mad Max. We love this. I guess Wonder Woman, really, but yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah, whatever. whatever. That was December. Fuck yeah, it. That was, yeah, that was that was years ago. Raph, where can they find us? You, me, me? you, us. They can find us where at Straight to DVD Pod number two at Straight to DVD Pod Instagram and Twitter. Mm -hmm. Hit us up, DM us, give us recommendations, let us know what you think. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, anywhere else you find your pods. Please continue to rate, review, and share. Mm -hmm. um, we, we really we really enjoy the feedback. Let us know what you think of the show. Yes, please. We would do. prefer five stars out of five, but you know, if you gotta if you gotta dock us because you hate the outro music, right. we won't hold that against you. A four and a half is a four and a half. We'll yeah, take it. we'll we'll, we'll take it. Um, and yeah, yes, keep listening. And we know there are a lot of people out there that want us to watch and review Tenant. We know we will do it. We will yeah. do it soon. We will do it very soon. We'll Maybe Tenant is coming. Maybe yeah. yes, Tenant might be next. We'll see. Um, Mike, where can they find you? They can find me on Instagram at Michael underscore Rocco underscore. That's R-U-O-C-C-O at Michael underscore Rocco underscore. On Instagram exclusively. That is the only place you can find me. Don't try to find me anywhere else. Lots of cheese. How about you, Raph? Lots of cheese. Where can they find you personally? Me personally, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Rafstit, all one word, R-A-F-S-T-I-T-T. -T. Twitter and Instagram. Come say what up. We'll see you next time. Adios. Adios.